Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 173 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. As always, we're, we'll, drink, we'll just tell people this is our second intro in a row that we're recording. So <laughs> that, that's that. We do like marathon intro days. <laughs> it's just easier because sometimes you're out of the office. I'm out of the office a few days this week. And yeah, yeah, the, we do all of the interviews and things at one time. And then we do the intros at another time. I mean, you mean separately. We do like the interviews separately. Yes. <laughs> right. But we have them all scheduled. Correct. So then we do all the intros, intros. at one yes. time. And then one of us goes off and edits one, Correct. depending on, on who drew the short shot that time. <laughs> So uh, today is pretty cool. We did something which we haven't done before. Correct. We got to talk with both an author of books and the narrator of her audiobooks. Yeah. So we spoke with Wendelin Van Drannen and Tara Sands. Wendelin Van Drannen wrote all the Sammy Keys books, which are very, very popular children's and YA books. And Tara Sands is the narrator. Yep. And she's a voice actress. Um they're really cool. They were so fun. They were so fun. Uh, and we weren't sure how we were going to be able to. So we did this over the phone. And not only did we do it over the phone, but we did it over the phone and they were both in different places. Mm-hmm. So if anyone has ever done an interview or even just like had a conversation with someone, you know, there's always those moments where you're like waiting for someone else to say something or, you know, it's just you can read nonverbal communication when you're in person, obviously a lot easier. So I was nervous that we were all going to be stepping on each other's toes, but it came out really, really well. It came out okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. And I think we talk about audiobooks a lot on the podcast um, and, you know, Overdrive obviously has audiobooks and all that stuff. But hearing about how the process works, especially with someone who, like in the narration, Tara does a lot of different voices and how all of that works. It's just fascinating. Not only doing different voices, but doing different voices and then consistently doing that voice for that character. Like I could make up a character, I could make up a voice in my brain, but then I have to remember how I made up that voice every single time yep. I'm talking about that particular character. It's just, it's very, very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm always blown away by how people are able to do that. Um, if people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? They can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ProBookNerds, and they can uh, email us directly at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. Yes, they can. And just because we were trying to do the whole make sure we're giving book recommendations that people can kind of borrow right now thing that uh, we've started, I want to kind of keep up with that. So I am actually going to give you a audiobook recommendation since we are just talking about audiobooks here. I am listening to a book I just started this morning called Meddling Kids by Edgar Cantero. And so far, it is really, really good. It starts off uh, with this guy who's in jail. And the reason he was in jail is because he was running this scam, from what I can tell, where he was creating, like, he basically set up a haunted house and he was like running the scam of the haunted house. And then I don't know what he was doing illegally just yet. But whatever it was he was doing, he was captured by a group of teenagers, and he called them meddling kids, very like Scooby-Doo style. And 
uh, he is getting out of prison like 13 years later, and it sounds like it's going to be like him trying to track down revenge on them. Yeah, like, when uh, our friends at Penguin Random House talked to us about this book, they sort of described it in like Scooby-Doo terms. <laughs> yeah, they even had the, metal, the, the quote-unquote meddling kids who he, I think he's going to go after even have a dog, and it's mm-hmm. Weimariner, which I mm-hmm. happen to have as well. So, yeah. But I'm listening to the, uh, the audiobook right now, and it's very, very good. So there's your audiobook recommendation in addition to all the the stuff that uh, we're going to talk about in this particular episode. Anything else you can think of? I don't think so. Cool. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation that we had with Wendy Van Dranen and Tara Keys on the, and Tara Sands talking about the Sammy Keys books on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's Adam and Joe from Team Overdrive, and today we're joined by not one, but two spectacular guests. We have Wendelin Van Dranen, who is the author of the Edgar-winning and legendary Sammy Keys mystery series, amongst several other best-selling works, and we're also joined by Tara Sands, who is both an on-camera and voice actor, whose voice can be heard in countless shows, radio spots, and most importantly for this conversation, she's also the narrator for all of the Sammy Keys audiobooks. So, Wendelin and Tara, thank you both for joining us today. It will be interesting to see how this all goes. <laughs> thank you for having us. Wendelin, can you start us off by giving our listeners an introduction to the Sammy Keys series? Okay. Uh, Sammy is a girl, and she is in middle school. She lives illegally in a seniors-only apartment complex with her grandmother because her mother has gone off to Hollywood to try to make it as a movie star. She does not know who her father is. Her life is complex because she's living in this place where she's not supposed to be living, so she has to sneak up and down the fire escape to get in and out of the building. Um, And she also has to navigate middle school and the terrible Heather Acosta who seems to have it out for her. And so we're going to do our best to bounce back and forth between you guys. Um, So these questions will almost certainly be out of order, and I apologize in (laughs) advance. But uh, Tara, you've been on camera and done voice acting, according to your bio, for a gazillion years. Um, so, <laughs> how were you introduced to the Sammy Keys series? And just because we never had a chance to ask anyone this, you know, how did you get involved with doing the narration for the audiobooks? Well, I guess it was it was almost twenty years ago now. <laughs> but I auditioned. I just auditioned for it, like I did everything else, and I was just lucky to get it. I, I had no idea at the time that that it was going to be such a long series, so I, I got lucky with that one. Um, and it was, you know, just another audition I, I was lucky enough to get. And uh, I was lucky enough to collaborate with great people. Uh, they're much more hands-on on this series than other books. So, yeah, just right place, right time. <laughs> so I, I'm going to cut in here because I have remembered that oh. um, uh, Live Oak, who is doing, who has done and is doing the series, um, Arnie, who is one of the co-owners, sent me tapes like physical tapes and I went through the different tapes and he had his like preference and then I listened to the tapes and and I had a preference and it turned out our preference was the same oh so, um I, re- I was real because I was yeah so I was remembering that process and it has been a while since we did that <laughs> 
That's actually a good follow-up. I mean, the sort of segue into our next question, which was, Wendelin, you know, besides that, were you involved in the audiobook process in any other capacity? I want to say not really. Sometimes they'll uh, ask me for the pronunciation of a name or that sort of thing. But other than just um, being super happy that they did such a great job with the the first book. Okay, the first book comes out, and um, I just love the way that it turns out. And so um, my kids, who at the time were young, and I was trying to get them excited about Santa Keys, and they would um, didn't really want to read, um, and they didn't want. I guess I couldn't do voices very well. So when I was when I read the stories to them. It wasn't the same as when the audio with Tara Sands came out, um, and they were super into other things that she was doing. So she was like a rock star to my kids. Um, and um, so when when she was reading my books to them, all of a sudden they became very interested. So um, my vantage point about having the audios for my book was. I was excited as an author to have my books on audio, but then I was super excited as a mom that they worked so well to uh, hook my kids on my writing. I'll, I'll just tag on to that. This is, you know, a while ago before Twitter and all this and Facebook, and it would have been so cool at the time to have interacted with Wendelin because we don't really get the author information when or contact information. I guess they're afraid we'll stalk them. But <laughs> it would have been so cool to to talk to her back then and to, to have asked her some more questions about characters and to hear her kids' reactions to it. So I think Facebook and Twitter actually is how we ended up meeting a few years ago. Yeah. So kind of to follow up with that regarding your your children listening to the audiobooks, um, this is a question for both of you. Wendelin can probably start. Yeah. But uh, how... Why do you feel audiobooks are so great for young readers? Well, because the person doing the audiobook is a professional reader, and there really is a big difference between um, just somebody who's kind of stumbling through the text of a book out loud when they're not used to doing that, and someone who is really good at that, and doing different voices. I think doing different voices is a real talent, and Tara has uh, has. Yeah, yeah, she's in the stratosphere with that. So um, the ability to, to switch voices and to really kind of engage the listener in what's going on, I think it makes them get into the story, and then once they're sucked into the story, it just all kind of flows together. Tara, how about you? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I mean, I was lucky enough to work on great text. I think, you know, there's a limit to what we can do when we get a stinker. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, and so I, I'm very lucky. Her, her work flows. I make less mistakes when I record her work because it's written so well. And what I think about when I think about kids listening to the audio, I think there's two, probably two kids listening. There's either the kid reading along, learning to read with the book. So you want to pace it so that they can read along and learn. And then there's the kids in the car. And my goal is always to make them not want to get out of the car. So if I can do that, my job is done. And if I can think about those kids that I'm reading to, that helps. And I, I love that more kids with iPods and all that stuff are able, I mean, you know, like we said, it was cassette tape when we started. These books are so, audio books are so much more accessible to kids now. 
and they're hearing stories that are probably above their reading level, which is great in a lot of ways that they couldn't have just read by themselves. So Tara, I'm curious, uh, yeah, like I mentioned, if people go on your website, you have done countless voices and countless shows and cartoons and all sorts of stuff. So you know, you get the you get the role, you're excited, it's 20 years ago at this point, like you said. So what goes into preparing to do an audiobook, and specifically for the Sammy Keys books, and it could even be like later on in the series, but when you're getting ready to do an audiobook narration, what is the process as a voice actor that goes into that? Well, I, you know, people always say, do you read the book first? And I say, of course I read the book first. <laughs> I can't imagine not reading the book first. So I, what I do is I, I make a list of, of characters while I'm reading it. And then whenever an adjective or something pops into my brain or let's say an actor who reminds me of that character, I just take notes so that I can keep all the characters clear in my head while I'm recording since I, I try for this age group to give them all their own voices. Uh, and then, you know, I make a list of pronunciation questions and, you know, if I find typos or things like that. So it's now with an iPad, I do all my, my prep work on, on the iPad, but it used to be, you know, thick manuscripts and a million trees being lost per, <laughs> per audiobook title. So it's very different now, but this book in particular, the series Live Oak is great and that they're very hands-on. We have a, a phone call meeting with the producer, Arnie uh, from Live Oak and the director, Paula Parker, before we do every book. Normal, there's a lot of times when I don't get to talk to anybody. I just, I'm just shut into my booth and I record myself and have no direction. So this is a great book because it's much more collaborative and hands-on from the director and producer. So, um, so you're just like in a booth by your, I'm like, yeah. I'm so fascinated yeah, by the, the actual process of how audiobooks get recorded. Like once you've like got well, into the booth, like how does that all work? Well, for this book, luckily I get to go to a studio and there's a, you know, a director there and an engineer and that's much more civil and, and much more, I don't have to think about recording and if I'm hearing outside noises and all that stuff and I have someone checking to see that I don't make mistakes, which we all do anyway. I mean, you'd be, it's amazing when pickups, pickups are the mistakes we made. We do them later. <laughs> and you're like, wait, I said, what? <laughs> you can't even believe the stuff that you've made up in your head. Um, but yeah, so that, that's a very typical, or that's the old way that we used to do almost every book. Now, a lot of the books I do, I just get an assignment and I record on my own and I prep on my own. I sometimes will get the author information to, to ask some questions. But it's a very different experience than it used to be because technology and home studios have really changed the whole industry. I, just hearing that, I, I can't imagine doing uh, a book-length uh, project <laughs> without a director or without the, the extra eyes reading as you're going because it really is easy to read something that isn't there or to omit, omit a word. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, um, the, the limited experience that I have has been in a booth with the director catching me as I stumble. And and I'm not a pro, but I just can't imagine doing a full novel without somebody there um, double-checking double that what you've said is what's actually on the page. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I, that's not my preference. Your books are a pleasure because I do get all the benefits of a director and producer. Guys, I... 
as one one half of this podcast who never gets a director telling us when we messed up, I'm eternally jealous because we, it's usually people's names, but like, yeah. we, if there's so many times where Jill and I have said something and they, like, we'll look at each other like, we're going to have to cut that part. <laughs> so I'm jealous and I can't imagine doing a whole book without someone yeah, there either. That's crazy. Um, so Wendelin, I'm curious, Sammy is a junior high kid who's a super sleuth but she's also very much a a normal person which I think is why the character resonates so much with young readers you know she makes mistakes she's sassy she's someone who struggles she gets angry from time to time so I'm curious if you based some of her experiences off of your own experiences and maybe what was the reason for creating such a realistic character oh well it's kind of funny because the first book came out in 1998, which is almost 20 years ago, and uh, we've just completed the series, so there are 18 books in the series, um, and it's done. Um, the audiobooks, they're doing, uh, I think, Terry, you guys are doing number 17 next, right? So you're I almost believe done that. Also. That sounds right. Um, so from the time that I started writing, where I felt more like Sammy Keys. You know, like I was more Sandy Key's age. And then I went into, like, the middle period where I felt more like, well, I've got kids now, so I'm more like Lana, the mother, right? Only I didn't want to be anything like Lana because Lana's kind of ditzy. So, um, and and now that my kids are grown and they have graduated college, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm in Graham's territory. So I've gone from being, like, Sammy to being the mom to being the grandmother, and I, how could that be? So I still feel like Sammy. I still write shopping carts. I still do the things that Sammy does, but I'm kind of in a, in a more mature body <laughs> now. So what I think really helped me was uh, – my career before becoming an author was I was a school teacher and I, I uh, taught high school and uh, the, the kids in my classroom kind of reminded me what tortured teenage years were and that the growing process just is, is full of minefields. And so I, I had kind of new eyes on that pain and um, I wanted to create this character who felt real to the people um, that I was in daily contact with and um, would also kind of experience things in her life as a character that uh, teens will will come upon in their own lives. Um, And kind of seeing a character make mistakes or learn things as she goes through her struggles, I think can really help people in real life kind of address the, the... uh, roadblocks and the, the situations that they run into as teens, like the, their moral compass gets challenged a lot in, during those years. And so how do you keep on a path you want to be on? Um, so just kind of new eyes on that, those old feelings and being able to capture them both from my own childhood and experience in growing years and then seeing the struggles that my students were having wrestling with some of those same issues that was the important thing to me. I mean, I love mysteries. Um, mysteries are really great for um, for keeping the pages turning because you want to find out, you know, there's there's danger and you want to find out who the bad guy is and all that. Um, but to me, the importance of the Sammy Keys series is that it deals with those decisions that you make when you are growing and trying to calibrate your moral compass so that you wind up in a place 
that you want to be as opposed to being pulled into a direction that may lead you someplace where you didn't intend to go and really didn't want to wind up. Along those same lines, uh, this is for Tara, do you ever draw inspiration from real life people when you are finding the way to perform a character? And uh, as a second part to that, was there ever a character you had challenges finding a voice for? (laughs) Well, that's actually one in the same. Um, Well, actually not. Let's let me rephrase that. <laughs> yes, the first part of that question is I do definitely base them on real-life people. Unfortunately, some of those people have... When I first started the first book, I, there's a character called Officer Borsch, who is one of my favorites, and he's great, and he's written incredibly. But I gave him a voice that's really hard to sustain because I didn't know that 18 books later <laughs> I still have to be performing this scratchy voice like this. But it's very much like uh, the man, I went to a theater camp every summer and uh, there was a, the director of the camp had that voice and it was just fun to imitate him. But then, you know, now I, I, when I read the book and I prep it and I see he says a lot, I'm like, oh, Wendelin, why'd you do that to me? <laughs> um, and there, it, the tricky thing with this book is that it's a lot of characters around the same age. So making them sound different is is a challenge. Uh, you know, their their pitches are, is similar. Heather's always been easy because you know we put a little evil twang into her voice. But finding the one characteristic in each of the girls that makes them who they are, which luckily is easy to find in the writing, is it's tricky for me. But once once we find it. We save the files, and we make sure that when the next book comes, if they show up, that we go right back to it. Because when there are, you know, seven girls in middle school, you don't want it to just be an annoying cacophony of high-pitched, squeaky voices. You want them to have depth and and ideally be able to tell them apart. And that's just, I just do not know how you do that. Even if you, if, if you get in your head, okay, this is what Marissa sounds like. And so you say the Marissa line, but how do you go from Marissa to Dot to Sammy with fluidity, you know? How do you make it so that you can... That's the magic of editing. Well, (laughs) no, I think that's the magic of Tara Sam. Oh, that's very sweet. No, I I mean, I take, you know, once it's all put together, it it ideally sounds like that. But no, I'll take a breath, I'll reset in my brain who the next person talking is. I also, um, in my prep work, underline who, what characters are coming up and talking so that I'm I can try to get a step ahead of it and, and make less work for the editor but uh, no that's wow. definitely done in post-production <laughs> I can't wow. take credit for all of that, that this well, is so I fascinating. also think you're being modest right now <laughs> <laughs> no, God, fight this, about it Wendell okay. this is so fascinating because you Wendell and you literally had asked a question that Joe and I were both going to ask because <laughs> And not even just for the, for, you know, like you said, if a book is done well as an audiobook, it does sound like you're jumping from character to character and even taking a breath in between those two. Like, I don't think I've ever been able to recreate the same imitation ever in my life. So it's truly something that I don't think people give enough credit to that audiobooks can completely change, you know, the the way that you look at a book entirely and Tara I'm curious for you how did how is this something you got into were you always someone as a young kid who would make up voices and and things like that or did you start doing like on-camera acting first and just kind of realize you could do voices 
it's such a interesting thing that we don't get to, to talk about all the time. So I'm curious how you got into doing voice acting. I didn't know this was a, a job I could have. I, it, it didn't ever really occur to me. But as a kid, I would always imitate commercials. Um, I would. I was a singer, so I think that that was the biggest influence. I, you know, I did a lot of theater, and being a singer, you just manipulate your voice a lot. And then when I was in high school, I started auditioning for uh, for commercials and things like that. And my first audio book was the Babysitter Club series, and. And that was great, but we, I only had to play one role in that. That was called multicast production. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, this is a job I could, like, who, my mom was like, wait a minute, they're paying you to do that? Are you kidding me? You're, you're talking. I was like, no, no, it's more complicated than that. <laughs> so I continued for years to do on camera and theater and all that stuff, but the truth is now I focus on voiceover because I love it so much, and I just feel really, uh, I'm lucky that this is a job. And I, well, I and do. you have big fans too. I mean, <laughs> well, that's awesome. You have big fans. <laughs> well, wait, I work wait, wait, in wait. anime, so that's that's Bulbasaur. a whole other conversation. Well, say Bulbasaur. <laughs> I Bulbasaur. <laughs> Bulbasaur. Okay. Um, yeah, I. You know, the truth is, is that once you're in the booth, when someone says to you, "Can you do this?" Hopefully, your answer is, "Sure, I can do that," and then you, you hopefully can back it up and. Sometimes I can and sometimes I can't. There have been a few accents in some of the books that I've definitely struggled with. You wrote, uh, there was one book that had a lot of Irish in it. And I remember getting very frustrated with myself for not, for having trouble with the Irish accent. And and Paula was, I was, Paula was directing and I could, she, she thought I was getting annoyed with working and I said, no, 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 I'm just, I'm mad at my, we had this misunderstanding where I said, no, no, I'm just frustrated with myself because this, this is certainly not my strength, this Irish accent. And why again did Wendelin write this Irish accent? <laughs> she should have asked me first. Father Mayhew back in Sisters of Mercy? Yep, that, that was it. Yeah, okay, all right. Yep. See, you had, the, you had the Dutch to deal with. And, oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So. <laughs> there wasn't as much of that. Luckily, there wasn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't as Dutch heavy as that one book had a ton of Irish, and you know, some of the accents are very easy. Some of the, you know, come naturally, but the Irish was definitely tough. <laughs> I, I'm gonna need a second because my childhood just exploded. Because I just heard Bulbasaur say Bulbasaur like on a call with me. So. <laughs> I'm Sorry. A, no, that's totally <laughs> no, that's fine. My fault. No, no it's, I would have liked to see your expression, though. That's I, my favorite thing to do. As soon as we're done Watch recording this, I'm going to text many of my childhood <laughs> friends that this just happened. So I'm going to let Jill ask the next question <laughs> while I collect myself. Now you understand why my children <laughs> were all of a sudden really interested in hearing the Sammy Keys audio because Bulbasaur. <laughs> and, and there were Team Rocket. I mean, she's done so many things that well, re- that my kids related to. The Yu-Gi-Oh! and the, the Pokemon. It was just like, oh my gosh, I've got a star here doing my That's Sammy so Keys. funny. Bulbasaur sounds a lot like Borscht. If you really yeah, well, think about it, <laughs> I never thought about that. But yeah, they're kind of maybe. I've never seen them in the same place, so maybe they could be one spirit. in the same. <laughs> <laughs> Who oh knows? Um, okay, <laughs> so moving slightly. Sorry, we, uh, took a, we took a detour. No, no that's perfectly no. okay. That's perfectly okay. Best detour ever. I know. Yeah, no, it's okay. That's in the tradition of Sammy Keys because the nickname is <laughs> I Sammy. So oh. there you go. Perfect. <laughs> So, Wendelin, now that the, you know, you said 
a little bit ago that the Sammy Keys series is finished. Have you ever considered doing um, standalone books with some of the supporting characters, such as Hudson or Billy Pratt? I know. I, I have in my mind, there's this book, um, it, and it's the book of Billy Pratt, because he is such a character. He is so funny. I love him so much, <laughs> and I just don't think that I could could do a book to do that character justice, because he's just awesome. Um, but there is a book called Runaway, which is uh, the, the like the pre-story of Holly um, before she meets Sammy Keys, and the last like two chapters of Runaway is an overlap with her meeting Sammy. So how Sammy became friends with this homeless girl that she Sammy discovers in Sammy Keys and the Sisters of Mercy that this, there's this girl living in a, a refrigerator cardboard refrigerator box down at the riverbed. And so how did this girl get to a place where she was living in this refrigerator box? Um, so the the story of Runaway is the story of Holly before she meets Sammy, and then there's a little overlap at the end where where basically she and Sammy become friends. But it's a standalone book, and unless you're a fan of Sammy Keys, you don't realize that there's that overlap, and that's kind of how I wanted it to be. Um, but other than that, I think that the you know if people read all 18 books in the series. There's a beginning, middle, and an end to the overarching story, and I think that just the way it ends is, to me, it's really satisfying. Which Tara doesn't know yet because she hasn't gotten there. Yet. I haven't gotten. I don't want to read it yet. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm too sad. Spoilers away. But um, <laughs> there, there, it's just like the from the beginning to the end. It just feels really satisfying to get through the entire series. And um, and sometimes when you have a successful property, there there is uh, like a tendency to try to do things that spin off from that or capitalize on that. But I, I just love the way it is, and I just kind of want to respect that body of work and not try to... Um, although the book of Billy Pratt does have appeal <laughs> to me, I don't know that I will ever do it. Wendelin, kind of along those same, uh, those same lines, this is an 18-book series, but as you mentioned, it, there's a through line to the whole story. So... I know at the very beginning, I've, I've seen you do some interviews where you talk about how you didn't even get these books picked up by anyone until there were four of them written. <clears throat> so I'm curious, with there being such a, a great arc of this whole story, did you always have this length of a, of a series in mind, or did the overarching theme and ideals of the whole story kind of shift as you went along and were writing more and more of these books? Well, I, I think that the, the concept of it being that middle school is that time, or junior high school is that time of your life where um, you can really get on the wrong track when you're those years, because it's so important to find a group of friends, even if those are the wrong friends. So you go from the, the nurturing situation of being in elementary school, and then you, you're in this middle area of this uh, before you get to high school, and it's just, it's it's a it's a rough passage, so my my thinking was that uh, uh, well I wrote the first book 
Okay, I didn't know that it was going to be a series, but I liked Sammy so much at the end of the first book that, well, I wrote the second book. And then what happened at the end of the second book set up this detention for the third book, which she then has to go serve 20 hours of of what she does in the second book. Um, She gets 20 hours of detention, and so she has to serve those in the third book, and she winds up doing that at the homeless shelter rather than at school, which then led to what happens there led to the fourth book. And it was just like, so I wrote these four books, and... Nobody seemed to want them, but I kept writing them because I really liked them, um, and I really loved being being with Sammy. And then, but when I got to the the fourth book, I realized that she was just evolving. She was growing up a month at a time from book to book. So the first book is yeah, in September, and the second book's October, and the third November, December. And I I realized what I was doing was following those girls through junior high, and and so my goal became to get her through junior high safely because I think that just in real life, if you can get yourself through junior high and you know who you are, you've grown into who you want to be, um, then you're going to be fine in high school. But it's that, it's, yeah. So so then my goal became to, to, to go a month at a time from book to book all the way through eighth grade. Uh, and that was quite a lofty goal for a girl <laughs> who couldn't seem to um, place any of her books. <laughs> So um, then when I got, I got the, the call for uh, my miracle phone call for those, <laughs> those first four, and then that just kind of set things in motion. So I had my, my guideposts of where I wanted to go and themes I wanted to, um, to explore, and I, I knew that I was heading toward the end of eighth grade, but if, if I, it would be a lie for me to say I had every single book plotted out. And I'm glad that I didn't because I think things happen in book organically that then leads to uh, different things happening in the next installment. So I knew where I wanted to go. I had basic signposts, but there was a lot of organic development along the way. So one of the the things, you know, dealing with middle school, middle school can be hard to get through. I like how you said you wanted to get her to, like, survive middle school and, and that age. And one of the things that Sammy series deals with is, is bullying um, in both from adults and as well as students. And so I'm sort of wondering what both of you have maybe learned from Sammy about dealing with bullies. Kara, I'll let you go. Well, I I mean, reading these, when I work on these books, it gives me that, like, junior high stomach ache in the pit of my stomach. Just It's so real to me. Like, the emotions in this book and these characters are so real and and have so much depth that it's not, they're not just stereotypes. So, I, I, I think the lessons are... Poignant, and re- I think I don't want to give too much away. It's, you know, especially with the Heather storyline, I think when you find out why she's a bully, you oh, you don't forgive her, but you have a have a better understanding. And I think that's what we, you know, in life that we need to do. Like, oh, if someone was mean to me, let me look at what their day was like and why they might be doing this. And I think that that's what I I take away from it. It's it's a reminder of that that lesson you know, we'll walk in someone else's shoes for a minute and see why they're behaving the way they are. And, and, and that is, like, my, my guiding light when I'm dealing with people who are, are awful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm like, okay, 
so what happened to them? And I tried to puzzle it out, and I tried to find some reason that they've turned into this, like, beastly person, either as, you know, it, as a teen or as, as an adult. It's like, what happened in your life that made you this way? And because if you can find the reason behind that, all of a sudden you shift from just being, uh, like, backcombed by them and just it's awful to be around them to you have sympathy for them, which then leads you to kind of a, a, a much more peaceful place within yourself. Like, what can I learn from this person that I can apply to my own life that will make me not turn out that way? <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, it's and it, uh, like in my life, uh, the, the Heather character is based on this girl um, who was just, awful to me in in junior high and she did some of the things that Heather did so I I sprang board from these these real incidents um the thing with the sewing pin getting jabbed in the derriere with the sewing pin I mean it really happened to me <gasps> and so yeah so um so you start from that place and your heart beats really fast for your seventh grade self and your hands at the keyboard are like shaking in the memory of of this traumatic thing that happened to you. And so um, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things where it's your uh, experience and it's your trauma, but then you find out that everybody's had their form of that sewing pin. Everybody's had someone in their life who has been really mean to them and, and just kind of dealing with a bully and how to to navigate that, especially when you were in that, you know, junior high, high school age range, um, it, it's it's really difficult. So I think Sammy is kind of a, um, she's a champion for the underdog or for the, the kid who's been bullied. Um, and when you see how this whole story unfolds and what what happens in the end, um, you can, it, it's, it's like a victory, but it's a victory in a way that isn't, isn't, um, revengeful you know it's a victory in a way that is peaceful so normally we end our podcast by asking the author what they hope the readers take away from reading the books but you two both just summed it up so perfectly right there that I feel like this is a wonderful place to to kind of leave the conversation but Wendell and Tara thank you so much for joining us today this was an absolute pleasure Thank I you. I can't believe it's over already. That was, that was fun. fun. Yeah. Can we do it again? Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.